gives it to. Manifoli and it's charged down. Kano needs a good bounce. He gets one and it's over. Hello everyone and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. That's the show that's getting you over the gain line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. You can call me Rugby Reg and I'll be your host for the show alongside two of the very best in Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Mate, I'm, I'm pumped. A couple of days to get over things. That's good. And Hugh Cavill, how are you going, Hugh? Oh, I'm not as good. I'm still I'm still pretty pissed off. Uh, just feeling a bit flat, Reg. It's, um, yeah, an all-too-familiar feeling this year, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll soldier on, as we always do, and um, got... got Got some good NRC chat coming on later, so I think uh, that's that's certainly something that can pick us all up. Well, mate, you obviously made the mistake if you didn't drink that memory out of your head in, on, in, the, in the same night. And uh, oh, look, I, I, I think I as I said, it worked. Oh uh, no, I need. I was looking. I needed something harder than alcohol. I think after that, it wasn't going to do the trick. Go just <laughs> looking for a syringe at, the, at a certain point in the second half. But well, um, who said I didn't go there? <laughs> 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 All right, guys, let's let's bring this back on track somehow. But look, one of the big talking points of last week, before the actual match at least, was the, the New Zealand Rooms Hotel allegedly being bugged. So given what happened on Saturday night, if that room was actually bugged by the Wallabies, what do you reckon we heard? You? Oh, jeez. Oh, oh. Uh, whatever they heard, obviously, did. I, I just reckon a lot of laughter. See, it seems like the thing. I'm probably just playing our series against England and just seeing how easy it was going to be. Uh, it seems like probably what they were doing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe a few Skype calls over to Richie over in Rio, uh, watching him um, death ride all the New Zealand teams into, into uh, minor medals and uh, and missing um, missing out on medals. So. Yeah, God, what, what, what a what saga, a, Reg. What yeah, a, absolutely uh, incredible. What about you, Matt? What do you reckon? Any insight they would have picked up? Oh, for sure, mate. It was all about respect. Respect? Yeah, it was all about respect and um, how they have lots of respect uh, for each other, um, how the Australian press and uh, Checker hasn't been showing Steve Hansen enough respect. Um, and pretty, pretty much how they didn't have any respect for the Wallabies, obviously. <laughs> oh, yes, it's exactly. A, it's a butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, it's lucky that we can uh, we can uh, give them flack about this, isn't it? Because uh, there's not much else we can go into. Um, look, we're going to obviously dive pretty deep into the test on Saturday night. Um, but this weekend, we also see the first round of the NRC, the, the National Rugby Championships, for those unfamiliar, or, or as we've started to call them, they're not the rugby championships. So it's the antidote to what's happening in the Wallabies at the moment. But uh, So a bit later on, to get some insight on the season, we have one of the game's most innovative thinkers, in former Waratah and Brumby winger, uh, last year's Sydney Stars coach and this year's New South Wales Country's Eagles CEO, Peter Playford. But before Pete joins us, we're going to get stuck into our five burning questions, and they are... Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, whoa, whoa. Right what, Matt, what happened? Oh, iTunes reviews, iTunes reviews. Give us to it. Well, no. <laughs> well, actually, what I was going to jump in with today was just to say, you've probably, if you are a subscriber to our podcast, which you uh, should be, so Green and Gold Rugby and iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from, you would have noticed that there was another podcast this week, the Rugby Report Card. Um, we've actually, I think this is the second time that we've hosted the boys. They're kind of becoming part of the crew. And look, we've had plenty of feedback. Yes, the boys, they used a lot of language, which you would probably usually only hear in the chain sheds um, after a big loss. Loss, which obviously we'd all felt. So, um, look, we've taken on board a lot of that feedback. Uh, I think the guys have put their hand up as well and realised that, um, yeah, they probably took it a bit far there. So, look, 
the other bit would be it's obviously a different podcast from the one you're listening to now. It's a different style. It does different things. So look, at the end of the day, if it's not your cup of tea, no sweat. We're still going to be here. You'll still get us. You can just um, ignore the other one there. But uh, look, I'd really encourage you to kind of um, have you know, maybe stick with the guys or tune back in in a couple of weeks' time, and I think you'll find um, you might like what you find there. But for everybody else, you've got the rugby report card. The boys do not hold back. If you, yeah, like, they, if you like your podcast raw, and uh, then you know that, that one's for you. Yeah, well, I also like they've got they've got Richard the Pom on board. They're giving giving a good um uh, sort of a level head of opinion, which I think will be good through the rugby championship. Hearing hearing that uh, perspective, so um yeah, no, I, I really enjoy that podcast. So yeah, great to have them on board. All right, good stuff. Now we need to get into our burning questions, if I may, Matt, because uh, let's list them out for you too. The first one's got to be simply: Was Saturday was Saturday the worst Wallabies game you've ever seen, and 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 what was our most worrying aspect? Uh, number two, the Giddo Law should it be scrapped? Three, uh, what's the most achievable change we can make uh, to somewhat turn the tide this weekend? And then question four and five are going to be joined by Pete Playford from the Eagles, as I said. What's the NRC's place in Australian rugby? Pete's got some great ideas on that. And finally, some of the stars to look out for in the NRC competition this year. But first and foremost, let's go straight to it. Matt, Hugh, uh, was this the worst Wallaby game you've seen? Matt, what do you think? Yes, and I tweeted so, I think, from the game, actually, 25 minutes in and said this is already the worst Wallabies performance I've seen. And when I say that, um, uh, look, I, I don't think it was lack of ticker. I think that was there. If anything, I think, um, look, you know, the guys kind of went out there. They, they channeled their energy into aggression against the Poms, and that kind of blew up in our faces a little bit with penalty counts and whatnot. Um, I think they ch- tried to channel it into the game on, on Saturday. Um, I think they played hard. I just think it went completely. It just went horribly, horribly wrong. Um, and so the reason why, I, for me, it rated, and it's not just that I think it was a record points margin, wasn't it, against the yeah, All Blacks? No, it was. wasn't. Oh, I don't think so. I think was, it, just, was it since that I think Wellington it was the game? Second, yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. I think there was a forty-three-six. Yeah, I which think. was the Wellington ninety-ninety-six. That was the one yeah. I was going to mention, but that yeah. was played in Wellington in driving rain. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, this is the worst one at home. So Bobus is yep. um, writing in some sort of. Um, yeah, he's using some sort of material. I'm not sure what it is. He's writing on the Sandpooth roof, and um, he's just saying here that yeah, at home it's the biggest yep. loss that we've had. Look, um, yeah, his own bodily fluids, as he's let let me know. Um, look, uh, uh, yeah. So it wasn't just the, the the points. I think though, it was the fact that it was how self inflicted it was. Um, the, the number of errors, whether and towards the end, it was just it was almost comedic, wasn't it? When you had the charge down kicks, you know, turning into tries. Um, you had passes that just when they didn't go to hand, then the Kiwis would pick up and they'd be down the other end. It was it was that sort of stuff that just you know just made you absolutely groan. Um, and I mean, and there was so much stuff uh, that was just so poor or just didn't work out for us. Let alone the fact we were playing against a Kiwi team who were absolutely on fire. Um, so that's that's why for me it was the worst loss. It was the self-inflicted nature of it. All right, Hugh, what about you, man? Yeah, yeah, worst one I've seen, and it, it's you know I probably would have left at half time if I wasn't there for work. Um, it it was really depressing, and I've never been so keen to volunteer to go to the bar and get, get a round of beers <laughs> um, for a couple of reasons because it got me away from the game as well as yeah, got another beer <laughs> to me which I did need. But um, yeah, look, it was it, it it got to the point where at the game it was a weird atmosphere because by the end of the first half it was already getting the sort of the sarcastic cheers every time we you know we managed to win our own line out or what a line you know, out. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it um it was it it, it was really 
sad and sort of um, I, I was there for work as I said in, in a function at half time where they you know brought everyone in and and in a sort of big function room there with you know hundred or so people come in for for drinks and that and you know when the second half kicked off no one wanted to go back outside and actually they ended up having to force everyone to leave the room ten minutes in and a half because no one wanted to no one wanted to go back and watch you know and I needed to die and I'm a diehard I, I yeah was and I think a few to... of the players were like that too. That's right. It, it, it's you know it it um it was truly demoralising and um on on so many levels it it, it was um you know just to we we've been blown out by the All Blacks before but you know even in that game last year in Auckland it was kind of at half time it was fifteen seven or something and you felt like oh you know if we get a quick try after half time we're in the game like I think it was thirty two three at half time and you went oh well you know this is this has gone before it's even started. Um, yeah. but, but even with that score at halftime, 32-3, and you expected the worst, and the fact that it was only, what was it, 42-8, so, you know, it was uh, 10 points to 5 in the second half, or, or close enough, but still the second half was so dire, I mean, it was just, some of the handling was shocking, and it was just such a worrying, yeah, look, I remember 96, and that was an amazing effort by the All Blacks, but it was in incredible conditions, and, you know, leave that as some sort of justification. Um, remember that Springbok game, Robbie Dean's coached, you know, over there, and I think it was on Johannesburg that they did put 50 points upon us. I think Tamanatahu was in the centres, that was a pretty awful game, but this was at home, all in our favour somewhat, and... We were just uh, just horrible. Uh, it was insipid our our, um, our performance there, and I, I guess that brings on to that second aspect. What was the most worrying aspect of the loss? And it's interesting. We all talked about it last week as the most important part of this game was defence, and that was just ter- was it thirty one tackles, um, and just you know the intent around contact was just so lacking. I thought um, from our boys, the game started. And it wasn't. It just didn't feel like it had any intensity from from our team. Mm. Look, I, the bit that blew my mind, and actually there's been a few people on, in comments trying to say that maybe it's a different tactic. I'd be fascinating to, fascinated to hear from people about this, but the idea that the winger no longer drifts to the outside man. Um, and I don't know if this is <laughs> if this is an excuse for poor Dane Haylett Petty, which, I, again, I, I did tweet something which was about six beers under, um, about the highs and the lows that yeah. poor Dane has um, experienced, you know, from the, you know, the... Tommy tests to yep. this one, and it wasn't me trying to pin. I mean, yeah, he had as you know a lot of other people had a bad games as well. But all I was saying was he had such a a great outing, and I mean there was at least three tries that he had a hand in. Um, and the yep. very fir- and the first one was just it was a shocker. And look, if if that's the new defensive system where you let the All Black winger have a free run to the line, I think we're going to let through plenty more tries. Um, you've just got to drift. You've got to trust your inside man, surely. Um, and he didn't do that in at least two occasions, maybe three. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the defence had me scratching my head in, in lots of different ways. Um, very, very strange. Yeah, I, I can't believe that's a tactic at all. I can't see mm. any justification for that whatsoever, particularly when the All Blacks just managed to have these, you know, Whitelock and Coles hanging out in the centres too um, with amazing skills and... And uh, ability to use the ball, it's uh, uh, deciding to come in, leaving men outside, it just doesn't make sense. Hugh, the, the most worrying aspect? Um, you had it, the defence. 
I'll I'll say actually more than the tight five. Uh, yeah, a lot of focus this week on you know Tavita Kumarani and Dane Hallett Petty and what's our best centre combination. I look, I think it's tight five again. We 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 uh, ignore them at our own peril and. And that physicality and that edge needs to be set by those guys. And, you know, poor Rob Simmons, a few guys you feel like it might be strike two in terms of yeah. their test careers and if not close to strike three. I think Steve Moore is, a, you know, I called him coming into the test as needed, the big one. And, you know, leadership and physicality, again, were absent. Um, he, you know, he's got to be looking over his shoulder. Scotty Seo again, you know, I wonder how long he can keep holding that spot. Um, I think Kane Douglas was good, missed a few tackles, but generally led the line pretty well. Um, but again, still, you know, um, dropped off more tackles than he normally does. And, and um, Benny McCalman, unfortunately, wasn't as effective as we'd have hoped. And so, you know, here we are again at the drawing board with our forwards. That should be our best pack. So Kopi Kepa was ineffectual. No one had a good game. And the set piece, you know, the, the line out. Um, we, we've spoken about the scrum wasn't great either. It's it's um, yeah. Look, there's um, I've, I've never I've never had a Wallaby game with so few positives, with so few players really having having good games. And and look again, bring it back to to the leadership. I mean, we've we've spoken about coaching and 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 look, the captaincy. It seems like the tides really turned against Steve Moore, a guy who I think had a lot of support behind him when he got the captaincy, a lot of goodwill, um, and. World Cup, but now judging by the comments on the front page, which um, can never be taken too seriously, um, but um, it seems like he doesn't have a huge amount of, of of love out there, and I think that's that's pretty justified because given given the way we played, um, especially through that first half on Saturday, you got you got to wonder what's driving this team. Mm. Well, look, one of the things that you could really see, is, and uh, for the parts of the game that you did watch, you um, at the ground, you know, because you know when you get that, especially at A and Z, if you're up high, you, you certainly get a good map of the pitch. And one of the things that you could see time and time again was, you know, it seemed like just like an like an impenetrable all black brick wall. In yeah, defense. and we it just looked like they were playing two more players than we did. It totally did. And so the only thing you can think there is, and it comes back to that thing Eddie Jones said about, you know, the one KPI he measures is how quickly people are back up in the line, either in attack or defense. Um, you know, Bob Dwyer talks about it all the time, which is about, you know, realignment, you know, getting back in the line. And it, that's the only thing that made me think. The other bit, though, wasn't just the number of people in the line, but it was the mis- mismatches. You know, the number of times we had, you know, um, tight five out in the fringes. Oh, defend- amazingly. And, yep. and, and, and they just had like, you know, your Bowden Barretts yep. and, you know, and your centers and everyone else just running through us. And you thought, this is just waiting for disaster. And of course, it just kept coming. So whatever's happening there was a complete disaster. But the other thing I just wanted to, which absolutely dumbstruck me, and I'm, as not a, being an ex forward, I'm not usually someone who notices these things, but even in the first 10 minutes before we lost Gitto, the whole point about Gitto, right, was that yep. he had a left foot kicker, um, you know, to kick to the right touch line. Um, you know, when we wanted to exit and we had Foley to kick the other way um, so that we you know we'd get de- decent exits, which we never did. The, the exits, again, were execrable. Um, two exits that we had, they went one to – that one went to Foley where he kicked to the right touch. The next one went to Gitto where he kicked to the left touch, the wrong ones. And Obviously, I'm like yep. – I'm like, how can, and both of them were completely pop gun ineffectual because they were, you know, kicking to the wrong side of the field. I was, and this was in the first five minutes. So this is even before we were, you know, shock and awe had completely rolled in. So I was just scratching my head on that one. That was like, wow, what did we expect was going to happen? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I want to move that on to our next question. Um, 
you know, we're unfortunate to use lose Gitto early, but um, one of the really interesting bits, bits of, uh, I guess, uh, media presence since this game has been the anti-Gitto clause. Now, you all know that I have been a fan of this for a while, but I've been quite interested, quite amazed by how significant the, the reaction has been to getting rid of the Gitto law. Um, Hugh, what do you think? Is that merit? Is that something that should be uh, action now? No, no. Look, I, I think that's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Um, I, I think um, just because the players themselves came back, I, I think we've got to look at how we use it. Now, obviously, Michael Checkers put a lot of faith in these guys, and and look, I actually didn't think. I mean, look, Gitto Gitto wasn't a problem. I mean, he played eight minutes and then hobbled off. You can't really pin it on him. Um, he had one bad kick, but you know, he. He was okay. Ashley Cooper was below his best, but again, he's a winger, so really, I can't pin too much on him. And and I thought Genia was better than I expected. Yeah, um, I agree. To be brutally honest, so I'm not sure saying that the problem is Gitters. I think it's a convenient answer. And the problem with that game on Saturday is there's no easy answer, and people want to grasp onto yeah. something that that is, oh, it's let's drop player X, or oh, let's change one simple thing, or oh, you know, if only we did. Gitto's law went away. It's not. It's so much more complex than that. And and I think one, you know, this is this was one bad game for that. But to be honest, I'm still after the evidence of the World Cup, where I think those experienced guys played such a role um, in helping us through it, and was one of the reasons we got to that final. Um, I think there's still a lot more um, a lot more weight um, in the you know in the pro column than there is in the con column over Gitto's law. And so I'm still um, I'm still a fan of it as, yeah. as it stands. Yeah, good for you, Hugh, because I'm not, mate. I'm, I'm not a fan of it, as you know. Look, really, Rich? Really? I don't think <laughs> and the irony is, I agree with you. I think of my top three players, I thought Guinea was the best, and, and Ashley Cooper was up there as well, um, but saying as much for the rest of the team. But, mate, for starters, I thought they looked at it on the field. Guinea played better than I expected, but that first try we talked about, that Crotty scored outside, um, outside Harlot Petty, but Guinea was back there too. And I just, it was the first, he was in cover defence and he looked slow. And now he hasn't played rugby for a long time. And I'm not going to use the on-field performance as the excuse, but I just can't imagine what's the value on bringing these guys back for that game. And might I say that's the second game in a row Giddo's gone off early. Don't know if it's the ageing body or the too much rugby over the France. That's a big bow to draw, but others can draw that if they like. But He got concussed in the World Cup final. I think that's a bit... Yeah! No, come on. It's too much rugby. Um, um, but uh, what about uh, yeah, what's the value what value do they bring to the game that Phipps starting or um, uh, Luke Moran starting or, or Matt Tamua starting don't other than you know caps and we god we saw against the All Blacks experience yeah but mate, the, the All Blacks lost 350 caps and they played better than they ever have Comparisons to the All Blacks here are fraught, but uh, look, I think having those guys around the camp, it's got to be a, it's got to be a positive. I, I, I don't but know. Look, get it. Gido's been back for two weeks and he's well, barely banned from all reports. Well, I think the, I think that's the thing though. I don't think it's the problem with the laws. I think it's the selections. I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, to, to have the, the rule exist. I think the rule's fine. It's just we've got to use it properly, and I don't think Checker has. I think he's thrown these players in, you know, slightly too early, and he, he's shown too much faith in them. And I think in time, we'll work out how to best use it and to monitor these players. I think the fault there is more with how Checker's used the law than, than the actual rule itself. In time, they'll all be too old to play anyway, mate. The, the, I think this will be Giddo's last test, and it's a shame he's had a, a I, I think uh, the a argument will change next year with... The argument will change next year with Kurtley Beal, I think. Uh, he'll yeah, be yeah, 
move it down to what is it, 40 tests now or something like that? Oh, he's that. got 60. Oh, does he? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, I'm going to move on to our uh, next burning question, question three. We've got to look forward, guys. What's the most achievable change we can make to, to hopefully turn the tide for uh, Saturday uh, in New Zealand, Matt? Well, mate, yeah, we're in a bit of a fix, eh? Um, and I think that's partly around the whole checker ball thing. Um, you know, what works really well with checker and what worked, you know, really well with uh, the Waratahs is, you know, having a team that, you know, is big, strong and can, you know, overpower, you know, other teams if they play with that sort of extra magic 5 or 10% that checker gets out of people. But what we're finding is at an international level, that's just not stacking up. Um and when it doesn't work, didn't work against the Poms, didn't work against the All Blacks, obviously, um, on Saturday night, you know, you get some pretty horrific results. And so I'm not – if from that perspective, which is, hey, we'll just go give them a rev up. I mean, for example, with another team or an, another coach who tried a certain game plan where they'd, for example, tried a, you know, like a some sort of a kicking game plan or yeah. whatever it might have been, um, which they, you know, and it didn't quite come off. You go, okay, now it's time to give them a rev up and go to plan B, which is to just belt them. Well, that is our plan A and plan B and plan C, yeah. and it just, it just hasn't worked. So I think that's um, that's a bit of a worry. Um, so look, putting that to one side, then the one thing that if they have to, they just really need to focus on, which, and I think this bites us in the ass more often than not, is is the line out. Um, our problem was we got stuck in our own half and we couldn't get out of it. And even when we got a penalty or managed to actually get a half-decent kick uh, chase and pressure in, um, the resulting line-out, you know, we had, we lost five of them. I mean, that was unbelievable. And I must say, um, look, there's a... If you, you know, you watch those lineouts, and I know everyone will say, well, look, we only had a couple of options, so it's not rocket science. But even watching it live, I did think, wow, it's as if they've read our lineout, what's going on. Because the timing of the jumps um, and how well placed they were, um, was, was, I just thought was uncanny. So I don't know if we had that listening device kind of transmitting rather than receiving or, <laughs> or something. But I thought that was absolutely uncanny. And I think to lose even our line out to lose five like that, and especially for like to be the very first one, um, I really wonder how much, I don't know, I, were we using the same line out calls that we used against England or what? Because, oh, it, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it seems like they, they, you're going to force out, me to watch the video again, mate. They, yeah. Obviously they worked out the magic number. Um, yeah. You know, it's obviously they've worked it out. It was eight, and if it's in the first number, then it's the front. If it's the second number, it's the middle. Well, I reckon, a- I reckon if you watch that video again, I think you might find Kieran Reid um, making a call after each time we make our call, which which says to me that someone had an idea what the line-out calls were. Yeah, and and, and, and so anyway, there you go. There's there's my tin. I I come with these tinfoil conspiracies every now and again. Yeah, and yeah. I think here's one. They said, and if they said the name of a car, it was going to be a drive <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> Orange, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. No, but yeah, there, anyway, so there's my there's my, my semi serious one is um yeah I think it's got to be the line out because we've got to be able to get out of our half otherwise we're going to have another disaster. All right, Hugh, what about you, mate? Where do we Oops. take this? I mean, look, I've said I sound like a bit of a broken record, but I think it's time for a change of captain. Um, I think, um, you know, you, you think um, under, he had enough time under the goalpost to really rev the troops up, Steve Moore, and I just don't think he's got that ability. And um, so I, I think it's time to give David Pocock a go. 
in, in, in all probability. He's probably the guy. Uh, even a James Slipper or someone like Wilgenia too could could be an option. Um, I think that's 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 a change that I would I would make. But other than that, there's not a huge amount you can do. I mean, the, we can we can certainly drop a few players. I mean, I'd certainly I think. I, the, as much as I derided it before, I think I'd look at the centre pairing, and obviously we're going to have to, given we've lost six inside centres. Um, <laughs> Reg, how about this? I, I've, I posed this, I think, on, on the forum, but I think the guy, we're talking about a lack of ticker, we're talking about a lack of heart, we're talking about a, a lack of direct running and direct tackling. I think the perfect man for the job's um, Tom Carter. <laughs> the 12th jersey. Yep. Um, so that would be the other change I'd make, I think. Oh, it's such Stian. a shame he's just retired. Oh, come on, John Farnham, he'll be back out soon. Let's get him out again. <laughs> yeah, in the country's hour of need, he'll step in. But wouldn't he? He actually would be good because... It's not the worst idea. I know. He, he would take it to the All Blacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd give him a hate figure, tell you what. He'd, he'd give he'd give definitely half of our listeners uh, well, a hate figure. Anyway, it, so... It might yeah. give you an opportunity. Well, well, how about this? What if you had Cooper at 10 and Carter at 12? Oh, fantastic. Oh. Yeah. That, yeah. that's, but that you get the All Blacks, the Kiwi crowd hating Carter. That would just might take some of the pressure off Cooper and uh, Green and Gold Rugby just hating everyone. Oh, <laughs> sensational! But mate, I, 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 I don't I don't know what you go from there. I mean, it was just clear. I'd like to think that the the Wallabies won't play that badly again. It's my only living hope. And mate, you hear these comments this week, and Nathan Gray saying. You know, you can we'll work on this defence this week, and which is great. But what have they been doing for the last three weeks? And Hooper saying we can win any any week. You know, again, do it last week. You know, don't wait for the big loss to to lose it. So I just, I, you know, this is their time to stand up because what five tests in a row we've lost now. Okay, once the World Cup final, but you know, six in a row. I think this takes us back to the way beyond the early 60s in terms of most losses in a row by, by a Wallaby team. And it's it's just it's just not good enough. And I, I can't blame the coaches for this one. This comes down to attitude on the field. You know, if the players aren't putting in, um, like you say, Hugh, before, the, this it's last time to learn for a lot of these players. We might yeah. have some very experienced NRC teams out there for a little while. Well, you feel like I feel you are. I feel sorry for them having to front the media every day. And I know it's the Wallabies want to be proactive and be out in front of the media, but uh, it's almost one of those weeks where they've got to. Oh, media band. Job, go up, go up to the Gold Coast and play some golf or something. Just to see, just get away from it, maybe, and and try and refresh that way because it 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 just looks like they're almost burned out already before the before the rugby championships have even started. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, I was going to say there's probably one you know, the players what they needed to refresh, but there's probably a few supporters out there wondering how they're going to approach the game in the weekend. There's probably one thing Green and Gold can offer them in, by way of support from a Bledisloe Cup match, and that's uh, a good old-fashioned beer deal. Oh, mate, your segues there, spot on. Yeah, guys, look, uh, get along to the craft beer market. So I know um, the Bledisloe is still going. We've still got those mixed cases, and, um, you know, you put uh, Gaga 20 in and you get 20 bucks off. So um, get along to the craft beer market, find the mixed cases. We've got the Fords, the Backs, and the Type 5. The uh, Fords is, I think, the most popular um, pack so far. So that probably tells you something about who's buying the most. Um, so you know, maybe some of you um, girls should stop um, brushing your hair and, and you backs get in there and buy some beer as well. Um, but yeah, it's free free delivery anywhere in Australia and you get 20 bucks off as well. And mate, just before I let go of the microphone yep. here, um, you're just talking about changes. I mean, I guess we've got to talk about any other you know personnel changes we think might happen and 
we talked about those inside centers. I know you were saying Tom Carter there. I think that's a good tip uh, there, Hugh. But I think there's got to be a second playmaker put back in there. I don't think Matt Tamu is well, – I think everyone said Tamu is yeah. out. Um, I think we're going to see the – I think we could be looking at Foley Cooper. Yeah, that wouldn't have surprised me. I was actually thinking, could you uh, – I, I don't know what people's thoughts on Folau at 13. Could Foley revert back to his old-fashioned 15 jersey? You have Cooper at 10, um, uh, Karevi and Folau in the centres and Foley back to 15. I don't know, mate. I can't get my head around it. Yeah, no, but I, I just if you think it through, I think everyone knows that you've got to have – We've tried yep. the, um, you know, just having um, hard runners outside of Foley. That doesn't work. Yep. Um, I think they're going to go dual playmaker, and that puts us with, with um, Cooper. So that, that there's me tip. That doesn't ex- – I love seeing Quaid out there, but a Foley-Cooper combination in the, in the halves or the inside backs doesn't excite me too much. Mm. So we're going to be joined by our special guest now uh, for the show, uh, moving on from the Bledisloe Cup for a, a little bit, uh, the CEO of the New South Wales Country Eagles, Peter Playford. Pete, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Mate, before we do get to the NRC, what was your take on Saturday night, or I guess more specifically, can we turn it around for this weekend and and how? Oh, look, I think I've been, um, well, fortunate from a learning experience, but on the back of some of those heavier defeats, and it's set piece. You know, for me, it comes down to... Backs are always pretty pretty easy and pretty uh, pretty equal at that international and and uh, Super Rugby level. It's just a set piece. So when you see score lines like that, there's just a dominance in that forward pack, which um, I don't know if Australia didn't see coming, but you know they uh, they got beaten in that in that forwards pretty convincingly. So is that something you reckon we can turn around if, in a couple of days' time? Oh, I think Michael Checking can do anything. You know, he gets in the head of some people. <laughs> I just feel as though, you know, Check's had him for a, probably a little bit longer than than what he uh, what he's had in the past. You know, his preparation. Uh, Check is from a, a retail background, and, and so am I. And you get quick wins, right? So you're always looking. You don't have much time to prepare. Yep. And when you've got a little bit too much to, time to prepare, like uh, we've got unique brains, you kind of overthink certain things. So if he goes back to what he's good at, which is, you know, motivating the players, getting that that 5% out of them that no one else can get, then uh, it's game on. But, you know, if they try and solve it, I don't know. I'm I'm not a big technical coach. If you try and solve it technically, then you can't do that in a few days. If you solve it mentally, you can't. Yeah, okay. All right, good stuff. Now, let's move on to the NRC, which kicks off this weekend, um, which we all love. But uh, before we get on to our burning questions, you've been involved since the start, you know, with the with the stars there down in Sydney. Talk us through, I guess, the evolution of that and into your current role with the Eagles and what you do. Oh, look, it's been a, um, it's been a, a, sad, a sad year losing the stars. So assistant coach in 2014, helping Nobby. Yep. Uh, Nobby Malone, who I coached with for uh, Sydney Uni. I was just always very interested in, in the dynamics of, of that next level. And having played in it in 2007, I understood, I understood the importance. I was then um, given the, the head coach role in 2015, which uh, the amount of work and time that went into it, it was a, an unpaid role. So I managed to get together a pretty good group of people and and we went back to white T-shirts, and we really took it back to the core. But <laughs> technically, you know, we didn't we didn't do much technical stuff to the point where we rocked up to training session one at the Eagles, and they had about twenty five pads, 
tones, hitch, like everything. And, and the Stars boys looked at me and said, shit, what, what are we get ourselves into? So, you know, I had about, I think I did one contact session, um, you know, all year. But my role now in the Eagles has changed. We had our camp on the weekend and trying to motivate the players in a coaching capacity. I'm now getting bananas, apples, muesli bars, uh, making sure that we've got uh, team kit, uh, all that kind of stuff. So my role's certainly changed, but still being involved and still trying to make sure this competition gets necessary um, necessary exposure to, to, to ensure success. All right. Very glamorous, Pete. That's great. I'm sure you're loving it. Well, let brings us to our, yeah. our, our next burning question. So number four, we talked about it earlier. So what is the NRC's place in Australian rugby, do you think? What is it now or, and, and what is the potential for it? It is the most important part of Australian rugby. If if it's overlooked, it's a significant strategic um, myth because you think about New Zealand. They've just come off the back of winning the World Cup uh, for a second year. Is it the second year or third year? I can't remember. Um, but they've won the World yep. Cup the third year. They've had their, their ITM Cup um, around for a long time. It has to mean success. It has to. And I feel as though, you know, we're looking at the Wallabies, we're looking at Super Rugby. All the press is about the administration. It's about uh, companies going, you know, broke, new management here, when the core of it is the playing group. And, and my passion for the NRC, I wouldn't put myself through, you know, two jobs without having an end point. And, and I feel as though if we are to win the World Cup, in 2019, this NRC this year is the most pivotal point in Australian rugby. That's a huge call, Pete. So what's, I guess, let's step back. What, why is it pivotal? What, what is the role? Is it pure play development? Is it uh, a profile? Is it a market grab? What are we looking for? Twofold. One importance is the commercial importance. So if you break it down, we need to generate more revenue to fund a high-performance program. Yep. Right, rugby is in a rugby is in a really competitive landscape in sport, and we don't compete with the media deals of, of AFL, rugby league, and even the A League, and even Big Bash now. Right, yep. Revenue is about content, and if the AAU get this product right, it's the only product they own. They don't own the World Rugby. They don't own Super Rugby. You know, Shoot yep. Shield isn't a content revenue generator for them. This is the only thing they own. So. This can be played all around the world to generate revenue. That, that's the first thing. Once we have revenue, you know, then we can invest more in our assets. Now, you hear a lot of people talk about that they want to in develop, use the NRC to use the funds to develop into grassroots. I think that's bullshit, right? I think the sole purpose of the NRC is to generate enough revenue to pay the players so that we've got more players training full-time. So if yep. you think at the moment, you've got the EPS contracts, you've got the supplementary contracts, which is being funded by the Super Rugby and Australian Rugby. Yep. And it's coming purely out of the bottom line, right? And they have to do that because the assets are what p- puts bums on seats. If they, and I'm sorry, boys, I'm really passionate about this, yeah, but if they, if they look at a model where this can generate income, I believe that every player should be paid $30,000 which means a supplementary deal can be 10000 and you're going to have about 60 or 70 players potentially earning $40,000 at that lower end. 
It's exactly the same model as ITM Cup and Curry Cup. And having known, having played, having played over in New Zealand, you know, I was on more than that $30,000, and that was back in 2006. Yeah, right. So if they get their, the model right, from a revenue point of view, it can generate significant funds. From a revenue point of view, it can generate enough money for the, for the kids to train more, and it gets onto that, to that asset. Now, in business, you've got an asset or a product that you've got to market. We've got a game where we can do the entertainment factor. BBL has absolutely nailed it. I look around. I sat down with the Rebels one day, and I was watching the ground, and I said, why aren't you playing loud music? And they said, our members don't like it. I went, who cares about the members? You've got 20,000 spare seats here. Mm. There's a reason why your members aren't, these guys aren't coming. BBL nailed that. So I think from a, from a game point of view, we can do a lot. But from a, an asset point of view... You hear the arguments about Shoot Shield saying that it should be focused on more. I disagree. It should be focused on from an asset point of view. More players, more training, skill sets. Like Mick Byrne should be down at the Shoot Shield level yep. and the club yep. rugby level across Australia because it's not happening at like if Mick Byrne's gone into the Wallabies. You'll see that effect maybe next year, the year after. But I believe that this NRC, it's the most pivotal point in Australian rugby's history, if they get this right and generate enough players, then the spring tour will look better. But Bledisloe Cup next year, you know, they get it right, we win that. So, Pete, it's Matt here, mate. Just you, you mentioned the shoot shield there and other, you know, you know, and for example, you know, Brisbane Premier Rugby, that sort of that sort of level of rugby. You know, some people would say, you know, is um, the NRC basically the AOU's? Uh, kind of by stealth way of you know replacing that tier of rugby because there seems to be a bit of a there's an overlap here right so in some ways the IAU want to say look we own this but actually there's a hell of a lot of the NRC that's you know only works because the shoot shield clubs are involved what do you say to someone who says hey this seems this feels like a, a takeover through the back door by the AAU of club rugby Everyone, everyone's crying out for funds, yeah? Every, yeah? every second time you hear a, a club rugby person talk, like the Patworths, the Bob Dwyers, they're all claiming funds. Mm. So if, if you're running a business, right, you're at the top, you're saying, okay, my main aim is to generate, you know, revenue, which can fund the operation. And if they continue to back Shoot Shield and, and all these guys are united in backing the Shoot Shield... Can you imagine that West Harbour versus Parramatta being played in Sky TV in England? It's not going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you, if, if you imagine Brisbane City, New South Wales Country Eagles, you know, Reese Robinson, Kyle Godwin, these guys, Jake McIntyre, Will, um, Leroy Houston, that can be played in England, right? So when they talk about this from the top, it needs strong leadership to say, this is why the NRC is important, and it's going to take us five years. But once we get it up and running, it'll be a revenue stream, a player pool. And because at the moment, I sat in that boardroom and they got rid of the stars, right? Mm. And my initial, react, my initial reaction was this I looked at, at Bill and, and Rob Clark and, and went, When are you going to make the other announcement of getting rid of one of the Super Rugby teams? Because you're theoretically reducing the pool in a pool that needs more players. Yep. Right. right? So it needs a bit of a, 
bit of a direction hit, but I think when when those people say that you know Shoot Shield and, and Brisbane Club Rugby and all those club rugby's are important, they're important from an asset point of view, right? Don't get me. You should be investing in their skills, their you know their S and C development, you know their learning and development around the game, and that can be that needs money. Mm-hmm. But let's not kid ourselves. The content. You know, you've got the uh, the Channel Seven, which is doing a great job, but the content's not going to get enough. That's going to generate enough revenue to win and invest in our high performance unit. And mate, just just in a crystal ball, though. So, do you so you know, like you were saying, five years down the line or five years plus, do you see it still going the way it is? So you've got the NRC, and then you've got the Shoot Shield, which has got sort of overlapping players and and and, and whatnot. Or do you think that maybe you know, if, if for example, the NRC is you know, turned into a, um, you know, like this cash generator you're talking about that maybe the season's got longer and actually that's, you know, basically become the sort of premier club thing by itself? Oh, look, if, if you take out, you know, as I say to people at work, if you take out a heartbeat and feelings, you know, you, you have to look at club rugby that it's, it's not something that can be sustainable mm-hmm. in order to build a business, right? Mm-hmm. Because it costs a lot of money, there's lots of teams, but they're missing that next level. So I think it's just, I think Super Rugby is someone, I think I heard a, someone wrote an article about Super Rugby being too big. I think there's too many balls up in the air, mm. right? You've got Sansa trying to make Super Rugby bigger, you've got NRC trying to do this. I just think they all need to get around a, uh, around a room and communications uh, something that might help here. And, and, and get it right because there is a place and there needs to be a place for the NRC. We've got the, the Super Rugby clubs over in New Zealand, they don't start their, their proper pre-season until January, mm. right? We complain that our NRC goes too long and it eats into the Australian, um, uh, Australian pre-seasons. And if you look at it, I, I don't think New Zealand were hampered. And if they were hampered, God forbid, <laughs> it would have been worse. <laughs> A lot of trouble. Yeah, um, just just a quick one as well, Peter. Just on, on that issue of control, we see with the NRC, and you, and you're touching it with the stars a little bit in that what Queensland do with their two teams and having them controlled more or less by the by the Reds, having you know the Force and 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 uh, Perth um, uh, pretty closely linked, and also Melbourne and and, and Melbourne um, rising there down there being pretty linked. New South Wales is a bit of the odd one out in terms of. Not having that super involvement, do you think um, that's a weakness in New South Wales, or, or, or do you think it's um, it actually can can work the other way for, for for the New South Wales teams? I think how New South Wales was structured previously, where the Waratahs and New South Wales were separate, I, I felt it didn't sit under anyone's KPIs. And and knowing New South Wales, it's a really tough market. So if I'm a boss of a company and it's not sitting under my KPIs. And I'm not going to worry about it either because it does take a lot of administration work. It does take some volunteers. So if I'm putting all my focus, I'm putting it into the Waratahs. Now there's been a change. Andrew Hawes come in, New South Wales and the Waratahs are aligned. So what that means is they're investing more time, more effort. They're having a bit better uh, understanding of the player pool. Now year one... It was a little bit challenging, but moving forward, you'll see a more even distribution of players as they do the collective bargaining agreement with, with Rupa. I'm, I'm assuming all that will mean that New South Wales will have a little bit more control, and, and it'll be good. 
because you can have some shared resources. Being in the admin space and having to, to make sure you buy the most affordable apples means that you've got to watch your dollars. So if there's a lot of shared resources across the NRC, there's more money to go into that player pool that can generate more uh, more talent. So um, I forget what the question was, Matt, but <laughs> I'm sure there was an answer in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> cheaper, cheaper bulk apples. That's basically the, uh, the takeaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, don't buy your bulk apples in Bellevue Hill. That's, that's for sure. It'll be the plan. It's expensive up there. <laughs> well, you, you've nailed it there. Look, mate, we're going to move on to the next question there, and you talk about the talent pool, and that's one of the big things you market, and you did mention Reese Robinson and Kyle Godwin, and you guys are... Uh, as I said, the comp kicks off this weekend. You guys hosting Brisbane City down there at Sydney University. Let's talk about that content and some of the players. Um, Pete, um, now you're the CEO now, but some of the young players to look out for from the Eagles and perhaps some of the other clubs that you that you uh, you think the fans should keep an eye out for? So, yeah, from the Eagles, our halves are, are really exciting, right? We've got Jake Gordon, who's in his third um, NRC, and, and I feel a bit unlucky not to get a run in the in the wildcards this year. He gets that crack. He has a good NRC. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him on the on the spring tour. He's a super talent, and I'm, and I'm a bit biased because I've coached him at the Stars, but very similar to that Luke Burgess mould. He's got this energy that you, you can't you can't bottle it. Like he can just get out there in his defence. Deegan, really looking forward to him, and that's how this comp should be run. You've got a 10 that played Australian t- 20s two years ago, played his trade at, um, at Randwick the last two years and gets an opportunity, right? So he'll be really exciting. Horwitz, Kellaway, those kind of guys. Rowan Perry, a, a very good talent coming up from Canberra, um, you know, and the likes of Sam Ward. We've got a lot of guys. Ryan McCauley, who's an 18, yeah. 19-year-old, six-foot-eight six second rower. Yep. You know, he, he's in the mix. And, um, you know, Falau Fahinga. So we've got a lot of guys across the board. I feel as though, and, you know, I can tell you my thoughts on the, on the quota system, you know, how there's no quota system this year. If you were to line up the squads about how they should be put together, you know, the Eagles and the Rays have got a good mix, a good mix of uh, super rugby talent plus a lot of up-and-coming stars. So... Uh, other teams, Harry Jones is still one of my favourites. You know, he was a star boy last year. Yep. Um, we let him uh, let him off to the Rays this year. Again, he has another good year. He could be on the spring tour as well. So, you know, other times that I don't watch the game on uh, on video, so I only watch it live. And I haven't watched much rugby this year, so that's all I can tell you to start with. <laughs> no, that's great. More updates as the year goes on. Yeah, too. Fleet would love to have you back. Um, look. We'll wrap it up there. No, no, you've got to get back home uh, uh, to uh, start preparing your meals, the meals on for Saturday. Are you on the barbecue at all, Pete? You seem like a very hands-on guy. Um, I hope people are doing it, but I'm just pulling into my house in uh, in Bondi, which is just a little bit uh, east of Tamworth. So that's <laughs> what we, that's what we we're, we're all. <laughs> yeah, very, very true country boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pete, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Uh, you know, fascinating insight on, on the NRC and its potential there. Um, I was going to say best of luck this weekend, but I'm a Brisbane City boy, so let's just hope it's a, a cracking game of rugby. As an admin guy, mate, I just hope people show up. You know, <laughs> the, the, the coaches look after the game, so if we can get as many people as possible, I've got some live music, we've got some Sevens girls playing at halftime, so the more people, the better. That's awesome stuff. So 3 p.m. down at Sydney Uni on Saturday afternoon. Pete, thanks a lot for joining us tonight, and we'll get you on uh, another time later in the season. 
No worries, boys. Thanks for that. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. All right, that was fantastic. That wraps up our uh, burning questions. And a reminder, NRC kicks off this weekend. It's four games this weekend. We've got on Saturday afternoon, or Saturday morning if you're in Perth, but Saturday, Perth versus the Rising. That's 11 a.m. local time in Perth at the uh, UWA Sports Park. A reminder, great initiative by Western Australia Rugby this year. All home games are free. So if you're in Western Australia, you've got no excuse not to get down. That'll be a cracking game, the Perth Spirit versus the Melbourne Rising there. So get along to that. That's 1 o'clock. Um, our time or Eastern East Coast elite time. Um, after that, fantastic gaming again. Uh, Peter Playford's North New South Wales uh, Country Eagles are hosting Brisbane City at Sydney Uni. Uh, that'll be live on Fox Sports. The uh, Perth Rising game will be streamed on the Fox Sports app. Uh, then on Sunday, uh, local derby, Ray, the Rays, Sydney Rays. Really good team. A few sevens players in there. Have a look for that. Uh, are taking on the Western Sydney Rams. Um, and I should note the Rams have just t- announced their squad and they've named a Fiji gold medalist, uh, Vatimo Ravulvul, uh, who won gold with the seventh team, has signed with the Rams. So whether he's straight there this weekend, we'll see. Hopefully he's uh, still enjoying his time in Fiji. But that's on a Sunday afternoon at your old, your favourite ground, North Sydney Oval, Matt. And then oh. Queen- yep, get down there, mate. Queensland Country hosts the Vikings, the Canberra Vikings at Bond Uni at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. That's the TV game as well. So NRC... I love it. You know, guys know I love it. Get out there. And if you haven't enjoyed it yet, get out there and take part because it's a great antidote to what's happening in Australian rugby at the moment. Yeah, because um, just behind that then is obviously that yeah, we do actually have a Bledisloe Cup game at 5.30 on Saturday. Just a what? A what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I took that as granted. I'll just, you know, we, we'll promote the NRC as well. That wraps us up, guys. Um, a good show. Great input from Pete Playwood there. Uh, tremendous insight from the man. Um, let's get out there and uh, cheer for the Wallabies on Saturday night, but uh, get out there and enjoy some NRC rugby as well because uh, it is the future of the game in Australia. Matt, Hugh, thanks for your time. Thanks. Thanks, Thank Pete. Thanks to Bobis on the bench and uh, or in the booth and the bench, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Taken by Squire. Genia pops it up for Fardy and the focal down to Fix.